Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group Service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. So, who remembers what we're talking about tonight? Spiritual warfare, exactly right. Now, pop quiz, what have we talked about the last two weeks, Aiden? Yes, the belt of? Truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, Johnny, do we still have that picture from last week? I don't know if it's still, it should still be in that service temp folder on the desktop. Uh, if you look in the service temp folder, just throw the one of the armor up there. So while Johnny's bringing that up, hey, perfect, thanks Johnny, good work. All right, so last couple weeks ago we talked about the belt of truth. And then we talked about, last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, and I will, I'll do a super quick review um, for our guests and for anybody that wasn't able to be here one of the last couple weeks. The belt of truth represents the truth of God's word and being honest with God and honest with ourselves regarding God's word and his actions in our lives. The breastplate of righteousness, righteousness is uprightness, right living, and integrity in your lifestyle and character, conforming our will to God's will. So we take the truth that we see in God's word, we take his truth, we apply it to our lives, and live according to his word. And that is righteousness. Okay? So these are the couple of pieces of armor that God gives us to fight our battles. All right? Now I'm going to read you, just uh, in way of review here, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Therefore. Now we've talked about this before. When you see therefore, what do you need to do? Yeah, what is it there for? You've heard that before. So you need to look back a little bit and see what is this there for. So when Paul says therefore, well, wait a minute, what? What are we talking about here? Verse, if you go back up to verse 12, I'm giving you a test here, Johnny. Verse 12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now that sounds pretty heavy, but basically what he's saying there is, the struggles that we have in our life isn't always just necessarily due to somebody coming against us, somebody talking bad about us, somebody being mean to us, somebody, you know, trying to hurt us physically or whatever, you know, it's not an actual army coming against us, okay? But our warfare, the warfare that we are fighting, the battle that we are fighting, is spiritual. It's thoughts and temptations, things that try to come against you and try to trip you up, uh, things that you can't necessarily see, right? How many guys have you had a, a stray thought in your mind and you started thinking about things that, you know, were not good for you to think about? All right, guys, I'm looking at you. You see something and then all of a sudden your mind starts working and you know you shouldn't be thinking about these things, you shouldn't be looking at these things and stuff like that, and it all came from one spark of a thought, right? Ladies, how many of you start thinking about things, uh, being self-conscious about the way you look or about who your friends are or anything like that, your social status, and guys, we can do this too, worried about this kind of stuff, this whole self-conscious thing, right? Some of these battles that we fight in our own mind are spiritual battles, all right? And we're talking about this armor that God gives us to withstand and overcome these battles, okay? So back to verse 13. Therefore, because we are fighting a spiritual battle, 
There's a spiritual war going on for our very souls. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing strong. All right? Thank you, babe. Still be standing strong. Verse 15, and we haven't gone over the shoes yet. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. It's actually what we're talking about tonight. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the, uh, of the enemy. Put on the salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We have armor that we are working with that God has given us through our relationship with him, through his word. He's given us these things. So we talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and tonight we're going to talk about the shoes, the preparation of the uh, gospel of peace. So in some translations it says, shod your feet, which basically means put these things on. The preparation of the gospel of peace. That word preparation means to be ready to have a solid foundation, okay? Uh, who plays football? Raise your hand if you play football. All right, Kyle, come here. Now I'm going to guess you're probably a lineman, right? I think we've talked about this, right? Okay, so Kyle, show me your lineman stance. Show me your lineman stance, right? Now, you guys see how he's positioned? He's getting low, right? He's getting a solid, firm foundation. Now stand up for me real quick. We're going to demonstrate something here real quick. I was a lineman, too, in high school. I wasn't as strong and buff as this dude right here. But when I was a freshman, I was bigger than most of the other guys, so I did pretty good, okay? Because when I got to my senior year, that the guys had outgrown me, so it was a little bit more difficult. But anyway, my lineman coach always told me to stay low. You get in, because if you're up here, if, you're, if, we're, if I'm trying to get past him or if he's trying to block me, I'm going to push him all over the place. Why? Because his center of gravity, hey guys, listen, because if you don't pick up what we're laying down here, you're going to be in trouble, all right? And I'm being serious about that. There's some important stuff that you need to know here. So if your center of gravity is up, I'm going to push him all over the place. I'll probably end up knocking him down, kicking him in the head, and taking out his quarterback or whatever the case is, right? Now come here. So you want to get down. You want a firm, strong foundation. You want to get a foothold Right? You want to dig your feet in, dig your heels in, you want to get a firm foundation. Give me your alignment stance. So if he's down here and I come after him, boom, it's going to be a lot harder to push him around, right? Now, what else do football players wear on their feet? What do they wear on their feet? Cleats, right? If you wear sandals like I've got, or if you go out on the football field barefoot, without a solid foundation, without being prepared, what's going to happen? You're going to get torn up, you're going to get pushed around, you're not going to have any grip, right? So if you've got cleats, what do those cleats do? What's that? Yeah, they grip the ground. What do they've got on them? They've got knobs on the bottom of them, right? Rubber spikes, rubber knobs on the bottom of them that grip into that dirt that allow you to do what? Dig in and have that firm foundation. And if you combine the cleats with a solid stance and low center of gravity, you're going to be able to have that good, you're going to be able to take a hit real easy and be able to start pushing back because you're going to have that drive and momentum coming off of those cleats, all right? Thanks, buddy. Well done. So, we've got cleats. We've got the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, so we need a foundation of the gospel. Now, tell me what the gospel is. Can anybody tell me what the gospel is? 
You don't have to give me the whole thing, but tell me, give me, a, give me a rough overview. Yeah, the message of God, and it's also referred to as the good news. Gospel literally means the good news. Now, can somebody tell me what that good news is? Aiden? Yeah, that's right, that Jesus died for us. Jesus died, took our sins, paid the price for us, and as a result, we have been reconciled with God. There's no longer a, a, a tension between us and God because Jesus has literally removed that. He's already paid the price for our sins. That's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that we can have a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. That is our firm foundation. Those are our cleats that we wear. Because when you dig in and you know the truth of God's word, you know that good news of the gospel, you can dig in and push back against the enemy. All right? That's a literal foundation for the truth. The belt of truth, which allows us to live uprightly because we're looking at the word of God, we're looking at the truth, and so we can put on the rest of that armor, the chest plate and everything, to live righteously because we see what's in God's word, the truth, and we can see what's in God's word and have a relationship with God because of that firm foundation, because we are prepared and we know and understand the good news of Jesus Christ. We know and understand the gospel. Preparation literally means establishment, firm foundation. It also conveys the idea of readiness, being ready. So Kyle, when you go out on the football field, your cleats are ready to go, your uniform is ready to go, right? You don't run out there when they say, when they hike the ball, you're not like, wait, let me, let me just get my chin strap, let me buckle up, let me, no, you're ready to go, right? Your, your cleats are laced up, you're strapped up, and you're ready to go. You are mentally focused and ready for that play, for that game, right? That's what, when they say the preparation of the gospel of peace, put, the, put that on. The preparation, that means be ready. Be prepared to share the gospel. To share the gospel. Because there is nothing that will help you solidify the good news in your heart more than sharing that good news with somebody else. I'm not gonna, sorry to put you guys on the spot, but are, either, are any of you in, in a church anywhere? No? Okay. Now let me ask you, has Andrew shared with you the gospel? Oh, we got some, we got some ground to cover, we got some ground to make up, and you know what? That's okay. Hey, you know what? I'm not, come here, give me a hug. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. You're all right. We all learn, we all grow, right? So, you guys need to ask him, what, what do you, what's this gospel stuff Matt was talking about? I want you to explain that to him, see if he can explain it to you, and if he can't, I'll explain it to you, all right? We all need to be ready and prepared to share the good news of the gospel. Because everybody, do you know one of our missions? We become reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. You guys know, we, we talked about this in our Shine series a few months back. We were, we were at war with God. The Bible says we were enemies of God because of sin, because of the sin in our lives that we were born with. We had no choice about it. We were born into sin because of Adam and Eve. All right? We were born into it. So we were literally enemies of God until Jesus came. And he paid the price for that sin. He took our punishment upon himself. He took our punishment upon himself. And when he did that, when he did that, we were made right with God. So we took on Christ's righteousness. Jesus had never sinned. Jesus was born perfect. Jesus was born perfect. He didn't deserve to die. He was completely and totally innocent. 
and yet he chose to be obedient to the Father and die in our place. So Jesus took my place. My place was to be nailed up to that cross, paying the price for my sin and all the stupid things that I have done. And yet Jesus, in his infinite grace and mercy and wisdom and obedience, he took my place on the cross and died that horrible death for me. I am no longer an enemy of God. I am no longer separated from God because of sin, but I am made right with God because of Jesus. He gave me his righteousness. And because of that, I can have a relationship with the Father. I can have a relationship with God. That is the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. And we need to be ready to share that. We need to have a firm understanding and foundation of that gospel in our lives so that the rest of this armor means something. Because if you don't have the gospel, if you don't know the gospel, if you don't know that good news, the rest of this armor doesn't amount to anything. Because how can you, uh, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, how can you hold up the shield of faith? What are you putting your faith into if not in the word of God? And how can you put your faith in the word of God if you don't have a relationship with God? Do you see where I'm coming from? All of this builds off of each other, okay? So how can we apply this to our life? I'm going to give you a few ways, all right? So for those of you taking notes, here's a few things that you can, a few ways to apply this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. There's that, there's that phrase again, standing firm. It is the good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I pass on to you what was the most important and what, was all, what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. So here we see a historical account of not only Christ's uh, crucifixion, but subsequently his resurrection and the fact that people saw him after he rose from the dead. This is historically accounted for in manuscripts. We see accounts of this from numerous people, okay? Uh, he appeared to more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have passed away. Then he, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at, a, at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted the church. I read a lot more of that than I intended to. But you see here... We have, to, we have to understand the content of the gospel. What is this that we believe? Why do we believe it? What are the foundations of it? We have to know the basis for our eternal security and the assurance of our salvation. Now let me tell you this. For those of you who are saved, who are born again, who've received that free gift of salvation, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you at some point since you were saved doubted or questioned that salvation? Maybe you messed up, you made a mistake, and you hear this little whisper in your ear, are you really saved? Are you really even a Christian? Christians wouldn't do something like that. You're probably not even really saved, are you? And I think most of us in here have probably had those little whispers and have those whispers of doubts. So that's why we need to know and understand and have an assurance of our security in heaven. 
that we know. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I'm going when I die. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father because of Jesus. I'm going to read a couple of verses here for you, just real quick. Oops. Here we go. Romans 8, starting in verse 38. Romans 8, 38. Johnny, you've been pretty quick on the draw, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> and I am convinced, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Now, if that's not reassuring, I don't know what is. Know that God loves you unconditionally. God loves you so much. Even when we mess up and make mistakes, God is there to take you back, to love on you, and to care for you, and to comfort you, and to help you learn from those mistakes and get back on the right track with him. Get back into that breastplate of righteousness and live upright living, all right? So we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, we have an assurance. We know that God loves us. That no power, verse 39 now, no power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. So the very love of God was shown to mankind in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not just something somebody wrote down and says, God loves you very much. No, God showed us that love through Jesus, through giving us his son to die for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, we see, And now you Gentiles have also heard. You guys know what Gentiles are, right? They were the non-Jewish population, all right? So basically, back in the Old Testament, you had the Jewish people, the Israelites, and everybody else. Jews and Gentiles. Literally, that was the, 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 the split, all right? You had Jews, the people who were uh, in covenant with, with God, and then you had Gentiles, everybody else, all right? Gentiles were not very favorably looked upon by the Jewish people, okay? They saw them as lower, less, okay? Because they didn't have a covenant with God. In the New Testament, we, there, we, still, have a, we still have a Jewish people out there, but a more accurate translate, or a more accurate uh, split on that would be the family of God, Christians, those who are called by the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody else. Do you see how we define those terms there? Those who are in covenant with God, those who have received the free gift of salvation, and those who have yet to receive it. And that's why we have a job of not only putting on our shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, but we take that gospel and we share it with others. We share the good news with others because that not only strengthens our assurance in the good news, but that brings them into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father as well. And that's our job. Our job is not only to be reconciled with God ourselves, but our job is to be helping others to be reconciled, bringing others into that reconciliation and into that relationship through Jesus Christ. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So we see there's a seal of the Holy Spirit. That's another seal, another thing that we, can, that we say, okay, we, God has given us his Holy Spirit, living on the inside of us, empowering us, giving us boldness and wisdom to do his will, to go throughout our daily life, 
living for him, serving him, sharing the good news of the gospel. So we know and we can be assured in this and rest assured in this because there's an inward witness through the Holy Spirit that helps us and tells us this. And then we have 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So what, is, what, what, are, we, what are we seeing here? What is John writing here? John's saying, for those of you who know Jesus, I'm simply reassuring you of your position as his children, your position as members of the family, members of the body of Christ. I'm simply giving you a reassurance in case there were any doubts creeping in your head, creeping in your mind. I want to reassure you of the fact that you belong to God because of what Jesus has done. So that's point number two. Point number two was know the basis for the, your eternal security and the assurance of your salvation. We have to be assured of that. We have to know that we know that we know, all right, that we are saved and that we are going to heaven, that we have a relationship with God. Number three is faith, and I, I love this, because faith is based on facts, not feelings. I want everybody to say that with me. Faith is based on facts, not feelings. Now, why do you think that's important? Hunter? That's exactly right. Faith is trusting in the Word of God. Fact. The fact of God's Word. Not feelings. Not how we feel about it. All right? I want everybody in this room to raise your hand if you are happy every day, all the time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not true. Emily just raised her hand. If any of you have seen Emily for more than a day and a half, she wears her emotions on her sleeve. <laughs> they joke around about getting her a mood ring just so you can be prepared when she comes in. <laughs> no, that's, that's a trick question. Nobody is happy all of the time, all right? All right? If I base my salvation simply on how I feel... Man, I feel awesome. I feel like, I'm, man, I am going places. I, am, I belong to God. I am going to heaven. I am, I am a child of the Most High God. I, man, I belong to the family of God. If I'm, man, I'm feeling good about it. And then the next day, if I'm just having a crummy day, and I, because I'm not feeling good about myself or because I'm questioning some things, if, man, now I don't even know if I'm saved. I mean, I'm all over the place. I would never know. If we base it on feelings and how God makes us feel, We'd never, we'd never have an assurance of anything, right? Right? Now, for uh, those of us who are married in the room, you don't base your marriage on feelings, right, Kip? Right, babe? No, we don't. We've had our ups and downs, right? Absolutely, everybody does. You know, think of your friends. You and your friends have had ups and downs, right? Now, the difference between your friendships and like a, a, a marriage relationship is that Ash and I have a covenant. We have made vows and promises to each other, right? So, if occasionally we don't see eye to eye, there might be times when our feelings towards each other aren't the same that they were when we got married. And you know what? That's okay. Because we have made promises to one another, we have made a vow to each other that no matter what, through thick or thin, highs or lows, we're going to work it out, we're going to fight through it, right? Right? 
not like fight through it, but you know, like come through together, fight through it together. You know what I mean? Because life is full of highs and lows. Man, if you, are, if you pay attention to the news at all, stuff going around the world in our very own country, it's enough to make you depressed. It really, really is. We have entire college campuses of kids, not a whole lot older than you, that, man, everything is based on feelings. I feel like this is unfair. I feel like that is unfair. I feel like we should do this. I feel like the country should do that. I feel like the Constitution is old, and so we shouldn't live by that because it's, you know, I don't feel like that's fair. I don't feel this and feel like everything is based on feelings. And if you base everything in your life on feelings, you will, you will, you will be the very opposite of grounded. You will be completely floating all over the place, never being grounded or found, having a firm foundation on anything because our feelings change day to day and sometimes hour to hour. Am I right? Sam, am I right? Yeah. Ladies, you know. I think guys, you know, maybe sometimes our feelings, you know, our feelings change a little bit, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, man, our, everybody, our feelings go all over the place. We can't base our salvation and our assurance of salvation on feelings. No, faith is about facts. The fact of what Jesus has done for us that we have record of, okay? This is true. In fact, it happened, all right? Number four, sharing your faith, which we'd mentioned. Sharing your faith is one of the most powerful faith builders available. Remember, the best defense is a good offense. We talked about that last week a little bit. Man, sometimes we just got to hit the ground running. We got to push. We got to move, right? Kyle, in football, sometimes you get your stance and you take a hit, right? That's kind of a defense. You're, you're, you're just trying to hold them there, right? And sometimes you explode off the, off the block and, man, you ring their bell, right? That's, a, that's an offense. You're still playing defense, but you're getting after it, and you're, making them, you're, making their, you're, you're cleaning their clocks a little bit, all right? Sometimes we just got to get after something. We got to dig our, dig our feet in and push back against the doubts, against the fears, against the, the depression, against the sadness, against these feelings that waver all over the place. But we got to know what God has in store for us. We've got to know that God loves us. We've got to remember that our faith, that the Word of God is based on God's Word and God's unchanging love, not based on our feelings. Not based on our feelings. Because one day you're going to feel up, one day you're going to feel down, one day you're going to feel, meh. It's going to be, eh, whatever. Which I think is kind of how Andrew feels every time I talk to him. Eh, whatever. Hey, Andrew, grab some lunch. Eh. Andrew, what do you feel like for lunch? Eh. Man, you are hard to read, brother. You know, but we can be like that, right? We're all over the place. Or we can just be, eh, you know? But if we base our, our thoughts of God, if we base our salvation on feelings, man, you're going to have a hard time figuring out where you stand with God. So, okay, quick recap, and then, uh, and then we'll wrap up. The belt of truth, being honest with God, ourselves, and others as a prerequisite to all spiritual battle. The breastplate of righteousness, responding to the truth that God shows us about his will for our lives, living in that truth, living righteously, uprightly with God. And then the shoes, the foundation, the preparation of the gospel of peace, clearly understanding the gospel and the habitual sharing of this message of grace. So those are the three pieces of armor that we've talked about, and we will pick it up next week with the next piece of armor. Everybody stand up. Worship team, you guys can head on up. So, there might be a couple of you in here tonight. 
Because there's a little check in your spirit, a little check deep on the inside of you. You're like, well, I've heard about Jesus before. I've heard the gospel before. I've kind of heard some of this before. Or maybe you've been coming to church here for a while, and you say to yourself, man, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm, I'm really, I am basing my faith on feelings and not on the fact, the truth of God's word. If that's you tonight, I want to pray with you. I don't want you to feel nervous. I don't want you to feel anxious, nothing like that. Nobody is going to be judging you for anything. Come up front. I will pray with you. And then when you leave tonight, you can rest assured in the fact of God's love, the fact of his word, and the fact of the good news of the gospel, which means Jesus died for you. Jesus gave everything for you. God gave everything in his son for you. That is our assurance. And God will make that even more real to you than ever before. All you have to do is ask him. All you have to do is say, Father, I commit myself to you. Father, will you help, to help me to understand more fully the gospel? Will you help me to understand more fully the good news that you have brought into my life? I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a deeper relationship with you. We need to have that basis and that firm foundation of the gospel to make everything else in this armor that we're talking about work. Because those battles are going to come, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, those battles are going to come. Some of you are going through battles now. And maybe before tonight, you weren't really sure where those battles were coming from, why things are so hard, why things are so tough. And I'm here to tell you that it's not, there's not always a natural explanation for it. That it could just simply straight out be a spiritual attack. And you don't even know it. You don't recognize it because don't, we don't think that way. That's just not the way our brains are wired. We're wired to think about what we can see, feel, touch, smell, and hear. We're wired with our five senses. So this whole concept of spiritual battle, that there's this huge battle going on all around us that we can't even see, this battle for our heart and soul, our minds aren't wired that way. We don't really stop and think about that. But I want you to think about it. I want you to go throughout your day and understand that there is always something tugging at your attention, tugging at your heart, tugging at your soul that wants you to doubt God's goodness, that wants you to never really meet God, never really even have an understanding of your Savior and what He has done for you. Because if the enemy can rob you of that, he doesn't have to do anything else. He doesn't have to get you addicted to drugs. He doesn't have to get you addicted to porn. He doesn't have to get you depressed. He can simply tell you that God is not real, there's no such person as Jesus, and sends you on your way. And you will live out the rest of your days completely ineffectual, always wondering why your life doesn't quite add up the way you thought it should. Did you know that even the most successful people, people who literally are worth millions of dollars, have super successful companies, are some of the most depressed people out there? Because they have strived and strived and strived for this goal that they thought would be the end-all, be-all, that would bring them joy and pleasure beyond measure. And when they get there, it fails them. They could be in the middle of the most amazing success and feel completely and utterly empty. Now you answer that for me, why that is. I'd love to hear an answer. There is a hole in our hearts 
and we can spend the rest of our lives trying to fill it with something besides God and there is nothing in this world big enough to fill that hole. Nothing in this world big enough. Money, success, fame. I can't even tell you the number of very successful, very popular celebrities that have gotten addicted to drugs because they feel empty. That have overdosed, literally killed themselves because of these addictions. Why? When they've got everything. The world is literally on a plate before them because of their talent, because of their skill, because of their popularity, because of their they're easily recognized. Everybody's seen them in movies and all this stuff. I mean, they could literally have anything they want. And yet they feel so utterly empty. Why? Because they're constantly trying to fill that hole in their hearts with stuff that could never possibly fill it. So they want more and more and more. And when they realize that nothing will fill it, they sink into this deep, empty depression and turn to other things to get their minds off of it. Drugs, hookups, whatever, you know, whatever. All this stuff that's still meaningless. Without God in your life, everything else is meaningless. Everything else is meaningless. So tonight as we worship, as we come together and worship our Heavenly Father, if that is you tonight, I want you to come up front. Do not be afraid. Do not worry about what other people are thinking. Everybody else is going to be worshiping. Everybody else is going to have their eyes up and worshiping, or their eyes closed and worshiping. I'm not going to worry about you coming up front. You come up front, and I will pray with you so that when you leave tonight, you will have an assurance of who you belong to, of your place in all of this. And that big hole, that gaping hole in your heart, the, heart that, the, the hole that you have just now started to understand because we've been talking about it, will begin to be filled by the power of God, by the presence of a God who loves you so much. So as we worship tonight, I want you to come forward. I want to pray with you.